I can't even describe the experience. It's just the only thing I can say is that it's just really beautiful, you know? I've never seen the city of Geneva together like this. I can't say that. <laughs> I don't know how the whole rally for the police is going to turn out to be, but I can say that our rallies, protests, whatever you like to call it, our marches have been beautiful. Akim Hudson, a soon-to-be sophomore in college, has championed a social movement, not just anyone, an undeniable revolution for Black Lives Matter. As one of the most recognizable organizers of the Black Lives Matter peaceful protests in Geneva, this has been a long journey for him and his allies to finally reach this evening. 32 days have passed, and now today is July 1st, which has set the stage for an unprecedented Geneva City Council meeting with resolutions or demands as he puts them, each of which act as checks and balances against the Geneva City Police Department, including the creation of a police accountability board and even partly defunding the police. When a government agency has not been operating properly for more than a decade, you'd stop and wonder what's going on, but not when it comes to the GPD in a Kim's eyes. I'm Gabriel Petrazio, Finger Lakes One News, and this is The Daily Debrief. And on this edition, we step back for a moment behind the scenes with Akim to talk about organizing Black Lives Matter, a grassroots coalition from the very beginning until this evening's highly anticipated city council meeting. As we ask, what has the journey been like for him? Even though we are only hours away before possibly seeing some of the most unprecedented change that may in fact sweep across the city of Geneva, the path to this exact moment was not simple. It was steep right from the get-go when city manager Sage Gerling released a statement around 5 p.m. insisting for residents to stay at home when the first Black Lives Matter peaceful protest ensued later that Sunday night on May 31st. It was then reported that the Geneva Police Department received unconfirmed reports that looting and destructive behavior were set to lay waste upon the city and most of all, its businesses, as her statement noted. And unfortunately for Akim and the movement, he suggests that this statement from the city government casted their initial peaceful protest as confrontational and controversial to say the least. Right off the bat, like right from our initial start, there was already an image of us that was controversial. Even within that first week, a lot of people weren't sure if they wanted to join the protest or not because that statement that I believe it was the city manager and the mayor that they released, that put some type of fear into people's hearts. You know, like they, they felt like they wanted to come and join the protest and be a part of a movement, be a part of progressive change. But the, the statement made them fear that if they were to go out there, then maybe something could happen to them. But not only did we remain peaceful for that night, we remained peaceful for every single protest, every single rally or gathering that we've, that we've ever had. And it hasn't always been in the best circumstances either. There's been people that have disagreed with us, shouting from their homes or shouting from the sidewalk. Things haven't been all, all sunshine and rainbows for the most part, but we've remained peaceful. We've, we've kept our composure. We've not allowed anything or anyone to derail us from what our end game is. You know, we haven't wavered from our initial goal. We're still pushing the same resolutions, still pushing the same, let's say the same message, and that's to reform the Geneva Police Department. For the most part, I'm not opposed to people being opposed to me because that's just... That's how it's supposed to be, you know? I'm not expecting everyone to agree with myself or anyone else that is organizing the, the, the police reformation or, uh, in Geneva. So 
if the friends and family of the police department, not police department, but people that work at the police department feel as if they need to defend themselves, I have no problem with that. Only thing I do have a minor problem with is people who, who have decided to spew ignorance out of their mouths or have decided to, to try to portray us in an image that everyone that's been to a protest or has seen any type of footage of the protest or so on and so forth could, could second this. But none of us, this anti-police, anti-white, any of these things they're trying to portray us to be, you know, if, if, as I said, if you've been to any of our protests or have seen any footage of our protests, there's nothing but positive vibes there, all different types of races, religions, everything, all over the community, all come to these organizations, all to these rallies and protests. And this hasn't been any problems, any talk of us trying to do anything besides reform the system that has obviously been flawed in Geneva. Do you feel that your voice and the voices of this coalition, this revolution, as you know, as you're really putting it, it really is a revolution because you're growing so many people. Do you think that that's being heard? I believe that we've always had the people's attention. It's just that the attention that we didn't have, which sounds crazy, is those who plan to rebuttal us. We didn't have the attention of our, they're not our adversary, but you know what I'm getting at. Like, if we're on one side and they disagree with us, then, you know, obviously they're not for our movement. So I'm just going to have to give them the label adversary for right now, for lack of a better word. But we don't have the attention of those who are opposed to our goal. That's the thing. We've always had the attention of the people. That's how we made our resolutions. That's how we made our, our, um, our demands list. First week of our protest, we gave out flashcards. They wrote down what they wanted to change. We compiled them together, typed it up, transcribed it into a document, and then here we are, you know. But as far as getting the Finger Lakes Tom's attention and so on and so forth, I feel that we didn't end up getting their attention until, I want to say it was too late, but they waited a very long time, if anything. Like, the one newspaper media, whatever you would like to call it, that's always been there from like since the first week up until now was uh, the Geneva Believer. They've done a great job just getting our name out there, getting things, getting getting our, our events out there, documenting things and so on and so forth. But as far as everyone else, I'm sure that our word has gotten out there and they've heard us. I don't, I don't think that <laughs> I don't think that we would elicit such strong emotions if nobody heard what we were saying. Although Akim feels that the movement is finally being seen and heard throughout the city, the past has been clouded from the public eye. Recently, Jim Meany at the Geneva Believer published an extensive investigative story mapping a timeline and citing several policing abuses, complaints, incidents, and reports that have gone largely unnoticed for more than a decade from 2009 to 2020, a systemic problem dating back long before the recent death of George Floyd. And when this story initially aired, it truly shocked Akim, a lifelong Geneva resident, who only knew or could personally recall two incidents outlined by the Geneva Believer. That police, that, you know what's crazy about that? I said I was born and raised here. I'm 18 years old, born and raised in Geneva. And I've only known, I've only heard of and know about two of those events. Two of those events, the Corey Jackson shooting, because I was in fourth grade, and Corey Jackson is uh, the uncle of a friend of mine. And then the Jack Montesanto thing, I wasn't in Geneva for that, but I heard about it, you know? Those were only two things I heard of. And then 
everything else was just news to me. Like that was new. I'm just sitting here reading, reading it. It's like, wow, that's crazy. All this happened in Geneva. And yet there's people that still will fight to the death to, 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 to say that we don't need police accountability. We don't need revisions and in, in, in training and revisions in the policies. Like the proof is right there in front of you. You know, I understand that change is hard and not everybody is ready for change, but this is a date back to George Floyd, which is only a month ago. This dates back a whole decade. Beyond overcoming the perceptions of protests nationwide, Akim says that his organizers contacted government officials and city councilors on several occasions, which had gone mostly ignored, claiming that the city hasn't really sought to collaborate or cooperate with Black Lives Matter much at all, especially when it comes to policy propositions the very same ones that are supposed to be heard this evening before the public at the city council meeting. We've contacted many people since, you know, since day one. And, you know, a lot of them, more specifically, one of our organizers, Adam. Adam has been great with communications. Like, this man has made an array of phone calls, sent out countless amounts of emails, it's just a matter of them willing to work with us or not being willing to work with us because we've contacted them plenty of times, you know. Some of them replied, some of them didn't. When they did reply, some of them were tap dancing. I mean, a lot of the city government, they haven't really expressed wanting to cooperate with us, with the exception of a couple of people. I was wondering if you can like kind of walk us through, for those who haven't read what the agenda is for that evening, if you could talk kind of briefly about some of the points that you're advocating for with the policy end of it. You can highlight some of the biggest ones if you want. Me personally, I believe the biggest resolutions and biggest demands would have to be the Police Accountability Board and defunding the police, a.k.a. reallocating the funds to the community. Those two right there are probably the biggest I want to say, I'd say goals, demands, either or is interchangeable. The reason why those two are the biggest to me is because just like we talked about, the police obviously can't police themselves. You know, that just gives a lot of leeway for corruption. And what has been going on for the past decade, that's just, you know, that's ridiculous. That should be very concerning to the average average Geneva resident, whether they are black, white, whatever you want to, you know, label yourself as, like. There's no reason why all of that could happen, yet nothing has happened to, you know, discipline the police officers. It, it shouldn't be that a police officer could discriminate against a race or could choke a woman out or could shoot a man in the back of the head, even though no other police officer had a weapon drawn on the man and still just be able to, you know, roam around free and conduct their lives as if nothing happened. As far as reallocating the funds, this is nothing more than asking to put the funds elsewhere. We're not asking to get rid of police officers. We're not asking for police officers to, you know, give up on their job. That's not what we're asking. All we ask is that you spread the money around to the rest of the community. I don't see how that's a bad thing, but some people would rather keep giving money to the police department. As I said, I'm not mad at it. You know, people are going to have their opinions. I can't be mad at their opinions. But I have to keep saying this. I just feel that most of these policies that we are trying to push are common sense. These are very common sense, straightforward, non-detrimental, nor problematic resolutions and demands. And I wanted to be clear, too, with the defund the police aspect. From what I understand, it's only like 
$52,000 or something, correct? It's like a small sliver of the total budget allocation or something of that sort from what I've read. It's not like we're trying to try to take all that money, you know? I'm not, you know, counting every cent the least make, but <laughs> like, this is just ridiculous. You know, we just need some funding elsewhere to help the community, the very community that you're supposed to be working for. What do you think is going to happen realistically? Do you think that that would happen? Or do you think some of it might pass and some of it might? Do you think it might get pushed? You know, the resolutions get pushed to a later date or something of that sort? I myself just approach every situation within my life with no expectations because, you know, the old adage, uh, you know, expectations, you know, lead to, to disappointment. But um, if anything, I'm just in touch with reality. I understand that there is a chance that, everything will be passed. But along with that chance, there's <laughs> also the exact opposite. So I'm just hoping for the best, but always prepared for, you know, reality to set in, or always prepared for whatever happens, you know, because a lot of things don't necessarily end up going in my favor. And I've, I've, I've become accustomed to that. I've always been, you know, pretty much even kill, you know, to stay. And I, I told the group uh, the other day when people, you know, started, you know, started making all these ignorant statements stuff on Facebook. But I, just, I just have to remain approaching every situation with couth and understand that things aren't going to go away all the time. So I'm going to be appreciative of it. I'm going to be happy. If they don't go away, well, we just have more work to do. In the event that it does pass, let's say all of this passes, do you think that the movement stops there or do you think it continues? And if it doesn't, I guess, what's the next game plan? Have you thought ahead at all about what happens after Wednesday? Um, if it does pass, I don't feel that the job is done until these things are implemented and in effect. With that being said, if they do pass on Wednesday, us as a group and as a community need to put that pressure on our city government to actually put these things into place and have it running. You know, I'm not saying that it needs to happen Thursday because that's just impossible. But if we could get the momentum in that direction, if we can get these things going, if we can take the right first step as of within the next weeks into months, if it can't be immediate progression, there needs to be progression going into the next next wave of things, you know. But if things don't get passed on Wednesday, I'm completely honest with you, I really do not know. You know, I'm really not sure. Only answer that I can say to that is that there needs to be more work done. We'll get back to the drawing board and make adjustments. But as I said, we don't necessarily feel that these things need to be negotiated. These things, are, these resolutions, the demands are common sense. They don't get passed on Wednesday. I, I really do not know. That's out of, <laughs> that's out of my hands. I don't know what, what's going on, but, but they do get passed. But regardless of whether Black Lives Matter will continue protesting in the streets as they have since May 31st, now is the time to speak up and speak out, as Akim puts it, insisting for residents to sign up for a three-minute time slot to issue a public statement before city council. One thing that Adam has been pushing is signing up to speak at the meeting. Um, I believe you get, if you sign up to speak, you get a uh, designated three minutes to speak. I mean, if you do have the time, please do sign up. It could be anything, you know, <laughs> just don't make it problematic or, you know, pejorative, anything of that matter, you know, just speak your mind. I'm Gabriel Petrazio, Finger Lakes One News.
That's all for today. The Daily Debrief is our show about the stories that shape life as we know it. New episodes are published Monday through Friday on fingerlinks1.com. It's hosted by me, Gabriel Petrazio, and Josh Durso. You can find the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as several other platforms. Visit fingerlinks1.com forward slash daily to see the links to all previous programs. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.